My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is the 168th episode of the podcast that is taking you on a journey through the superhero adventures of the early Marvel Universe. We started at the Fantastic Four number one from 1961, and we have made our way all the way through to almost, almost the end of another calendar year. We are in November of 1967, and we're going to be covering in this episode the last two comics that came out on November 2nd. Those are Thor 148 and Tales of Suspense 98. And then we're starting into a new week and a new series, Mike. Yeah, another one. On November 9th, we have Captain Savage and his Leatherneck Raiders number one. Fantastic Four 71 and Daredevil 36. Yay. Yes. That's like Um, the second episode in a row or just the second month in a row. We've got a new thing going on. uh, Both, actually, because we did do uh, Captain Marvel last week. Yes, we did. So there you go. Exciting. But yeah, every month there's something new for a while until we get to next year's annual season. We've got stuff coming at you every month. Yeah. Okay. Um, Who's up first this time? You are. And I only remember that because you had to walk me through Strange Tales last week. so. (laughs) (laughs) So it's your turn. Okay, Thor 148 has one of the baddies that I have been waiting for. Yeah. He's green. He's purple. Can you guess? Give well, me five he must seconds. be a Marvel villain if he's green and purple. Right. The pounding power of the Wrecker. You know right. how, uh, you know those, like you do, because you're a DC guy, you know those classic JLI covers that Mark McGuire does where it's like from a top point of view? Yeah, Kevin McGuire. Yes, where he's like Sorry, looking down on the Kevin crowd. Kevin McGuire. Well, I don't know if you all know this, but Kevin Maguire will do commissions. It's I don't know how cheap it is, but he'll do commissions of characters. And the other day I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool to have him do one of all the purple and green Marvel <laughs> characters in that style? Just looking up at you like that? That would be cool. But I don't know if they'd all fit on one page because there's so many. You would probably already have too many people to do one of those with just the opening <laughs> the opening lineup of Marvel. Right. I don't know how far back you'd have to go before we have – because there's only like, I don't know, seven or eight people in that picture. Yeah. Ca- I, I think he Justice has a maximum he'll do. Like, yeah. I don't know, 10 or something. But it's like, yeah, no, I don't know. All I don't the know Avengers, gonna... all the X-Men, all the Fantastic Four, right. and Spider-Man, and Daredevil, and... <laughs> Spider-Man is an Avenger. Not really, I know. Not really. But he is, but he isn't. Well, this is one of those that has two titles. There's a title on the cover, and there's a title on the inside. Let There Be Chaos. Mm. Mad with Rage. I love that. He's literally angry <laughs> with rage. He's angry with anger. The almighty Odin hurls a regal bolt from far off Asgard to the planet Earth, a bolt which strikes the four fighting immortals upon the planet below. And so the bewitchment begins. Is there no limit to the thrills so lavishly bestowed upon us by Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby, or to the awesome assistance of Vince Coletta Inker and Sam Rosen Letterer? Is there? Um, there probably is, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, probably. Probably just the temporal one. When they quit, then it's over. Warning, hmm. prolonged reading of this publication may be injurious to our competitors. Ouch. If the excitement of Make Ours Marvel listening lasts for more than four hours, please just keep listening. Um, did they just slam DC? How often do I they do that? I think so. They don't do it often, but they do have an entire series right now called Not Brand Deck. Which is just lambasting 
DC. Ouch. They'll say in the letter columns that Brandeck represents all their competitors, but it's mostly DC. Mm-hmm. What are the competitors they have? Uh, I don't know, like Warren or um, right. who's doing so superheroes right now? So Dell DC. and Gold Key. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, um, the four happy Asgardians are Thor, Sif, Balder, and Loki. And they've all been hit by a bolt from Odin. He's really mad because all these people have gone to Earth whenever he told them, don't go to Earth. So he's blasted them all and um, removed all their powers. So Loki runs off and Sif is like, we've got to go after him. Um, but Thor says no and Balder says, we don't need to worry about Loki. Um, meanwhile, there is this hotel. Where are we? Is this a bank? Uh, it's a person's house, I think. Okay. Rich couple, you know, very mm-hmm. hoity toity and their jewels have been robbed by somebody called the wrecker. Is it the wrecker from that one giant man story? No. Is it the wrecker from the issue of, uh, fantastic four where the incredible Hulk showed up and, Bruce Banner was friends with that one guy who's like Kami McEvilson or something. No, not that wrecker. This is a different wrecker. And um, yeah, so they call the police and the wrecker strikes again. The police are all looking for him. And it's this guy with a crowbar. That's all he is. He just has like a purple hooded mask that wraps around in most of his face and a crowbar. That's all he is. He comes in and wrecks your stuff and takes your stuff and leaves. Meanwhile, in another part of town, a youthful figure approaches the office door of Dr. Don Blake. He's like, oh, yeah, I delivered lunch to this place all the time, but I thought Don Blake was out of town. I wonder when he got back. <gasps> You're not Don Blake. And inside are Thor, Sif, and Balder. And they do not like languishing inside a random office. But Thor's ordered sandwiches. So, you know, um, he gives money to the delivery guy and they all leave. Um all right, so Loki has found himself a rented room. How he rented it and got money, I don't know. But the Wrecker is going to come in and steal his stuff. He's skulking outside the window. Loki's like, okay, all right. So I don't have power. Odin's taking my power. What can I do? Um, the Norn Queen. She has helped me out before. Wonder if I call to her, will she help me out again? So he's like praying, Norn Queen, Norn Queen, have you any wool? Yes, ma'am, whatever. Um, and while he's doing this, the wrecker jumps in, wrecks his stuff, knocks him out by hitting him in the back of the head with his crowbar, like literally. And yet Loki still has a skull. Uh, and he's like, What am I gonna take from this place? Oh, look at this wicked helmet with these big horns. I wonder if this fits. So he puts it on, and that's when the Norn Queen gets the mess. She's like, okay, fine. Uh, she looks down, sees man with, you know, horned helmet. All right, Loki, here's some power. Spam. And she sends the power down to not Loki, kids. Oh, no, the Wrecker gets the jolt of Asgardian power from the Norn Queen. And then uh, he's like, oh, yeah. So he feels all strong. And meanwhile, Loki wakes up and is like, give me that hat. And the record's like, here's your hat, and here's a big blast of Asgardian magic to knock you out. I'm so powerful, and I like it. Meanwhile, Thor, Sif, and Balder are watching Spider-Man cartoons back in their hotel. The news bulletin comes on that the wrecker is out wrecking stuff. And Thor's like, okay, uh, I know that we've been t- we've lost our powers, but we've got to stop the bad guys. So, um, and so it's like, I bet you Loki's behind it. And like, oh, yeah, that's probably true. Because the news report is that he has the enchanted power of Asgard. Okay, so they got to stop the Wrecker. The Wrecker is literally knocking over buildings with his crowbar. 
Um, the hero Asgardians show up and, um, Wrecker's like, you know what? I don't think that I need you to attack me. I'm just going to wave my hand and Sif and Baldur just disappear. And Thor's like, oh my God. Oh wait, that's me. Oh my me. You really do have the powers of Asgard. And, um, he still has his hammer though. So he, with his hammer, fight up against Asgardian-powered human with a crowbar, and they do lots of serious property damage. Meanwhile, I guess the Wreckers sent Sif and Baldur home, because they're back in Asgard, and they go to see uh, Odin, and they're like, hey, um, your son's in trouble. And Odin's like, I have no son. There is no god of thunder. There's just me and my ego. And if you're going to argue with me, then get out of my sight. And he sits there fuming. My son has really frogged up this time. He's got to pay the price. Whatever the danger, I will not intrude. So be it. Next, when falls a hero. Yeah. Yeah, this is Thor comics, y'all. So I knew the wrecker was Asgardian powered, but I never really knew how. So now I know how. That was interesting. Um, I remember hearing that he got the power that was meant for Loki, but I thought it was just his crowbar. That was powered for some reason. Well, he seems a little more than what I expected. So I don't know if mm-hmm. that goes away. Like this whole waving his hand and shooting energy and dismissing people to other dimensions and stuff did not seem right. like Wrecker. That seemed way the too powerful. Should be. So maybe my next issue that disappears or they just forget about it or something. Yeah, because he um, his first few stories are kind of spread out. Like he gets his wrecking crew down in the Defenders, which is several years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe by then... They've forgotten or altered what he can do. Or he gives them some of his power, maybe. I don't know how oh, they then, get their, their power. That's, that he could like not have as much inside. That that makes a lot of sense. Did you remember I, the other two wreckers? Oh, yeah. The Wrecking Crew. No, no, no. The other two wreckers in comics we've oh, had before this. Um, I remember the, the Hulk Fantastic Four story. Not the one you mentioned before that, though. There was a Giant Man one that was imminently forgettable. Um, he was basically knocking over jewelry stores. Um, and Just I don't like remember exactly how they catch him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that does sound from, was he Ant-Man or Giant-Man at the time? See, I thought it was an Ant-Man story too, but it wasn't. It was a Giant-Man oh. story. So definitely forgettable. You I know, mean, we don't, we don't really get a lot of info about the wrecker other than he likes to, I'm going to wreck it. He likes to wreck yeah. stuff. But, uh, wreck it. but since we know he's a character that lasts forever we're excited about it I guess. well there was just also good drama like there was this one mm-hmm. time my kids did something i told them not to do so i completely stripped them of all ability to fend for themselves and left them stranded with no way home i mean that's <sighs> drama that's that's like not that i not that i want letters written into me about my parenting but have you ever just been <laughs> in a mood where like your kids can do no right you know so there and- are days and it's just like, well, if you're a God version of that, that's kind of what this is. Like, he's just been on a roll. He's been Mr. Grouchy Pants ever since he had to kill whatever those freaking things were that don't matter. That's what co-parents are for. Whether yeah. they be spouses or life partners or somebody who's come along in your life to help you. Um, a co-parent to just kind of, you know, bring you back from the brink. And he's just like, he comes out of, he's like, I am Odin and I am all powerful and you have to listen to everything I say. And then Thor's like, well, I'm going back to her. <gasps> well, none of yeah. the rest of you better go. And then he turns around and they all go back to her. Like he's just getting madder and madder. And they just all continue to disobey him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. You're getting you know, into a contest of wills. I'm not saying he's right because he's just doing it because of contest of wills, not for actual good reasons, but. 
you know, parents aren't perfect kids. Sometimes we just yeah. get in the mood, you know? I think this I one know. is actually yeah, not good reasons because I think all this started with him just be like, you know what? I am always right. And yeah. def- by definition of right, it's what I want because I am righteous. He, he has no argument for why Thor can't be on Earth and why they can't help him other than it's not what he wants. Exactly. That's all he wants. Yeah. Uh, you're right. This did feel like an old Ant-Man story as far as the initial setup. Um, and actually at the face of it, the first few pages, the wrecker could have been a dumb name for a forgettable character if this had gone somewhere mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's I love uh, Delivery Boy. That was a great scene. Uh, All that stuff. That was a fun scene. I love how like, completely disenchanted Sif and Balder are with just sitting there picking their noses. I want to get, I want to start working for like Grubhub or something and dress like this guy because it's old timey and funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what those hats are called. But I want to find one and just be yeah, like, here's know. your hot dog, sir. <laughs> just one day, not for the rest of my life. Just one day. Anyway, I call shenanigans that that Loki can fit his giant horn hat into a hat box, but maybe it's magic. I don't know. But he has no magic. So I call shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah, that is a really small hat box for some really large horns. Right. And that's not a euphemism, but probably also is. Uh, um, double check before you give somebody with unlimited power. Do a double look, you know, make sure it's the right guy. <laughs> look twice. Don't just, just check the profile. Get a good look at the face. Look twice, bestow once, like my dad always told me. Right. When we were doing now the we, work. We are going to start seeing a lot more of the Norn Queen going forward. Mm. Um, she begins to appear much more regularly and frequently and eventually, mm. you know, develops her own character and story arcs. Mm. Um, so just some brief recap of her previous appearances. I went back and looked at them. Uh, we first saw her in a tale of Asgard from issue 107. Loki was trying to kill Balder, but like all of creation loves Balder and tries to keep him safe. So Loki went to the Norn queen for help and she agreed to help, but then like uh-huh. turned against him at the end. She's like, I'm also part of creation. I also love Balder. Oh, uh-huh. um, I mean, Loki isn't part of creation. I don't know. I don't know. That, that, that's a good implication there. I don't know. Uh, then in 117, uh, he got the Norn stones from her to mess with Thor. That was like right after the trial of the gods, whenever he was cheating on the trial that was determined to prove his honesty. Mm-hmm. He got the Norn stones. Those, those Norn stones like floated for a while. And there was the one that ended up in Vietnam for no reason. Um, yes. I remember that really long story arc. Yeah. So he got those from the Norn queen. And then a couple issues after in 119, he did basically what he does here. He summons her from afar to help him beat Thor and she gives him power. So here he's like calling back to that saying, Hey, she did this before. Maybe she will again. He also says though that she owes him. Doesn't she? I thought he said that because uh, as far as this Norn queen goes, I'm always on the fence as to what her alignment is Mm -hmm. because like she's always helping Loki, but it also seems like she's reluctantly helping Loki. Uh, Many are the favors owed Loki by the supremely sinister Norn Queen. Many times she has dared with Loki to defy the will of Odin. So she's kind of bad, but is she bad? I don't know. I guess. Right. She doesn't seem to be. She's not necessarily great, but anybody who defies Odin doesn't automatically mean evil to me because Odin is annoying. So maybe she just used him once in a while and now she owes him. She's probably not on the top row of the alignment chart. But we don't know if she's in the bottom row of the alignment she's a chart. New, she's either neutral or neutral evil. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. I have a continuity question for you. Okay. Should, should are you going to ask, should Dr. Spidey buy this issue? Yes. 
Yes. So I'm reading this. Okay, actually, before I tell you that, my, my thoughts. Uh-huh. Do you think they're watching a actual footage of Spider-Man, maybe like in a news clip or a special or something? Or do you think they're watching cartoons? I think they don't comment, and it's just a picture of Spider-Man, so I suppose it could be either. But it seems more like a cartoon because there's no, like, ticker tape or anything on it. Yeah, I tend to lean towards cartoons because the Spider-Man cartoon is brand new. So making Mm -hmm. a reference to it here makes sense. They call it entertainment. Oh. Um, So it feels like it'd be an entertainment show. And it's interrupted to bring in the news. So it can't itself be the news. It's a really nice money shot, too. And you think if it was news, it wouldn't be. Right. So um, it is listed in the official index as a flashback appearance, like a news clip or something. But I disagree. Um, Now, the question is, has Spider-Man in the history of his life ever commented on the fact that there's a Spider-Man cartoon that he's not making any money off of? (laughs) That's a really good point. Because you think that'd bum him out. The other anti-cartoon statement was that the Spider-Man cartoon, he doesn't have any webs on his body. They don't draw all those webs. Oh, yeah. um, But I figure that's artistic difference, which happens all the time. I don't know. Well, either way, I think he has to buy it. Yeah, I think so. so. Hopefully he has it. Did you see, like, here's a tangent, but he was on uh, the Crawl Spaces YouTube the other day being a feature for a collector, as a collector? I missed that. Well, it's still up there. It's like a live hour-long thing of him touring his office. It's ridiculous spidey Oh, because, yeah, Scott has like a dentist's office, right, which is all spider he's a, uh, Yeah, he's an orthodontist, and he's just wall-to-wall Spider-Man. It's like an hour away, too. I keep threatening I'm just going to pop in one day just to drool at it, but I'm worried he'll try and put braces on me or something. But, <laughs> but I just want to check it out. It looks awesome. Well, if you ever need the orthodontist, you know where to go. Right. The Spidey. Um, and the last thing I had on this is sometimes your kids upset you and they just got to die. Yeah. What kids? He's been, he's disowned his kids. He has disowned his kids. <sighs> I don't know. I'm hoping that he, he has to get over it or else Thor's never going to get power back, right? There's no mm-hmm. other way for him to get it back. So, but yeah, he's just making all drama. He's the drama God. Shall I move on to the Inhumans? The Inhumans. I don't even remember what happens in this one. So I'm glad it's well, you. And finally, Black Bolt. Well, I guess Black Bolt happens, yeah. Yep. In which we shall see for the very first time the truly staggering discovery of power of the mightiest, the noblest of all in humans. Behold, the silent Black Bolt. Ever regal, ever vigilant, as he glides over his land like an awesome airborne wraith. So we have definitely taken a time jump. Mm-hmm. From the ancient history of the Inhumans to almost the present day. Let the word ring forth from the hallowed halls of Asgard to Atlantis's hidden veils. Stan the Manly and Jack King Kirby have recreated the glory of yore. Embellished by Joe Sinnott, lettered by Sam Rosen. So Black Bolt, he's flying along. He lands. Everyone's like, yay, Black Bolt. Um, and they're like, the captions are like, yeah, but what's a black bolt? Let's turn back the time and look. <laughs> so somebody turns on the historicon within the palace royal of fabled Adelin, And with slowly an image forms of a man named Aegon and his wife and partner, Rinda, who are doing genetics experiments on babies. Um, nice. 
They're going to go visit their infant son. We must learn the result of our altering his basic genetic pattern. So they go to see their baby, and their baby is able to move stuff with the, his mind. He affects the electrons in the air about him, which essentially leads him to telekinetic powers. Um, but there's another power. Now, he may. they say he may grow out of this electron power as it gets older, but there's another power he won't grow out of, and there's a problem. Um, so anyways, they're like, oh, no. Oh, no. He broke his toys. He's about to start crying. Run for it, Marty! And the baby starts crying, and the building starts to crumble. The vibrations gain in strength and mounting fury, reaching far, far beyond the walls of the lab until the very center of the city itself begins to quiver and crumble. Um, turns out, when a baby black bolt cries, there's a big problem. So they're like, oof. Okay, where is he in all of this debris? we got to find him. And they go find the baby. He's still in his little crib. He has made himself a force bubble of electrons to protect himself from the wreckage. And Aegon's like, wow, that's my son. Um, really proud of him and really scared out of my wits about what to do with him. Next, silence or death. Until the very last panel, I don't think Daddy seemed like he cared about his son at all. No. It was all every all his dialogue was about the science of it and the experimentation of it, right down to like when the lab collapsed. And even then, his son's like, "Hurry!" In the name of evolution, we have to save him. It's like, or right. the name of your freaking child. <laughs> but then the last panel was finally, "Oh, I've never had such a great son. My heart rejoices." Like, okay, good. Geez, you scared me there for a second. Maybe you had to see him to get the like the parental hormones to trigger. I guess, yeah. So. So they actually are doing breeding and evolution and genetics experimentation on their offspring, which I had forgotten about because back in the day when the seeker was first telling us what humans were, he said they used genetic experimentation. They said, we found out about varigenes and through manipulating mm -hmm. varigenes, we got powers. And then in the first issue of this series, they're like, the Terrigen Mists. Our king is going to go into the Terrigen Mists and let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, so evidently it's both. Both are happening somehow, some way. Well, I think when the Seeker was talking about it, they weren't showing no babies. No, no. They were showing people, wasn't it? I guess the if babies that they experiment on become people. Yeah, but I think when I, the panel just kind of read to me more like a person walked into a bar and came out a superhero or something. But, That'd be uh, fun. But yeah, genetics on babies, uh, that's a little creepier to me but i don't know if that's your way of life i guess it's okay yeah i don't know if if like no they... it's not <laughs> it's not okay <laughs> it's there's not nothing okay. i can't argue that it's okay <laughs> they have no choice on what you're doing to them really in theory the best time to do any genetic modifications would be before conception right well that's you, true you modify yeah. your gametes and you combine them to fertilize and create an embryo so that would be the best so in theory, you're always experimenting on babies. They just haven't become babies so it, yet. Yeah, that's true. And there's lots of those like arguments in science fiction. Ever seen like a what is that movie? Gattaca comes to mind. Where if it's okay or not okay to to weed actually, out bad things on your child. I have not or, seen Gattaca. I've only played Galaga. Okay, I think it's called Gattaca. It's a pretty good. No, movie. You're, you're, there's there's a movie I, I just never saw. It's one of those. Yeah, so it's just an argument like kid. okay to experiment on your kid before they come out like you could they have the ability to like you want a blonde haired kid or a brunette or do you want them to not have asthma and all this stuff and it's like well of course you would say yes to all that right mm -hmm. but is that cool or not cool i don't know i it guess that's kinda, what the inhumans are doing 
it is kind of crazy to have a baby who can mm-hmm. cry and destroy the world. So they get I mean, hungry and buildings are yeah. coming down. Well, that's the other thing. It seems kind of random. Like they didn't purposely say, okay, I want to make this baby able to scream really loud. Mm-hmm. So what are they doing? Just injecting it with the mist in an embryo state and then it comes out with some random power that may or may not be good? That does seem to be the later idea of Inhumans is you don't know what's going to happen when you go into the Terrigen mist. Yeah. And some people come out beautiful and some people come out looking freakish. And it's actually like a cultural thing that if you come out with a, you know, useless or ugly power, then you're kind of ostracized sometimes. The Inhumans are, the Inhumans are not great <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> no, I've been saying that this whole time. No. Well, I mean, like, like as a concept, they seem to be a little bit eugenicist and a little bit, you know, supremacist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you have no choice, apparently, if they're doing it when you're a baby. So here's part of my confusion when I'm reading this. And it's, it's, it's a confusion because of my partial understanding and now reading the source material. Mm-hmm. In the Kree-Skrull War, we're going to learn about um, what happened to Black Bolt's parents. Okay. And I thought that was when he first discovered his screaming power. But uh, now we're finding out he's had it from infancy. So uh, one of the things that I'm wondering about as we go along and whether we get it in this series or we have to wait 50 issues of the Avengers, I don't know. But uh, I am curious about what's the connection between his having the powers from infancy and his accidentally using the powers as a young, young adult. Do you think they did that whole like telekinetic control thing, but he's going to lose it, don't worry, just so that the baby can save itself? On the last page? Uh, Black Bolt has electron powers with a little tuning fork on his forehead. Yeah. I don't know why they say that he's going to lose them, because I thought that electron bolts were part of his thing. Maybe the power decreases. I don't know. Maybe he can move objects. What do I know? Maybe it becomes less, and that one thing on his forehead, like, emphasizes or brings out one aspect of the power. I don't know. Well, maybe we should read, uh, you know... Thor number 149, find out. I guess, but not right now. Not right now, not right now, right now, later, later. Right now, we should do Tales of Suspense. Tales of Suspense, number 98. We are so close, kids. Second to the last. What's that word called? You know, you like to say it. Penultimate. There you go, penultimate. That's too easy. We should have done the one prior. Right, anti-penultimate. Make you work for a living. Okay, Cap versus dot, 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 the Panther. But it's actually called the Claws of the Panther. Two in a row with two different titles. Um, the late, oh no, no, locked within an automatic magna ship, Cap hurdles into the heart of darkness, darkest Africa in answer to an urgent summon from the Black Panther. When suddenly, uh, a Bray comes out of nowhere and tries to kill him. The latest and possibly the greatest creation by the award-winning Stanley Man, Lee and Jack King Kirby, embellished by Joe Sinnott, lettered by Artie Simek, warning, prepare yourself for an unexpected shock of a lifetime which awaits you at the conclusion of this cataclysmic chronicle. Before I continue, I'm pretty sure you said last time you didn't know. Were you shocked cosmically? Um, I don't know if cosmically is, is the right word. Is that what they said, cosmically? <laughs> shock of a lifetime. Were you shocked lifetime shocked? I kind of knew who the bad guy was. Okay. So – uh, well, I knew. I definitely knew, so I didn't – You definitely – okay. I, I wasn't sure because at this point it's like how much does Mike remember – and how much does Mike forget and then remember as we go along and how much yeah. is surprise? But it's it's all over the place. But in this particular case, I remembered the cast of characters from Cap 100. So I figured I it was the same villain. In last issue or the issue before, while I was taking notes and doing research, I got spoiled on what was going to happen in this storyline as far as who the bad guy was. 
All right, so Cap's in an automated thing. He can't really control it. He doesn't like being out of control because he's a hero. Um, but nonetheless, he flies by this lasery thing that's blowing up Africa, and he's like, God, am I just going to die? Is it going to crash land right here? But right as it gets towards the end, or it gets towards the ground, a hidden trap thing opens up, and right inside he lands. And the first thing that happens is he gets attacked by a bunch of Black Panther's minions. And then the Black Panther himself attacks them. And Cap's like, what the? You invited me! Crazy. <laughs> and Black Panther's like, I'm sorry. I just had to make sure you were really Captain America. And he's like, okay, that's one way to do it. Anyway, um, we cut to a mysterious figure with yellow gloves telling everybody to try and kill Cap harder and kill Black Panther harder. And he's like, I'm going to kill you two scientists because you missed with that laser. And he's like, no, no, let's try again. Okay, fine. You could try one more time. Cap's like, so what am I doing here? Black Panther's like, I don't want to tell you because you're going to get mad. So let's just string you along for a while but if you look in this telescope thing you'll see there's a big giant satellite menacing thing in the sky and it's going to destroy the entire world and it's starting with wakanda so you should help me and he's like well of course i'll help you so they go running out there and they find some purple and white henchmen and they start beating on them um but black panther gets shot and cap's concern for black panther gets him shot and they both get knocked out meanwhile we cut to Agent 13, who is posing as, uh, what's her face? Irma Kroll or something? Um, Irma Kroll. And the bad, right. guys, the bad guys don't recognize her, and they go up to like harass her for being on their territory, and she totally kicks their butt. And then she's like, I'm Irma Kroll, fools. Bring me to your leader. And they're like, oh, we're sorry. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cap and Black Panther wake up. Um, and they're like, hey, how come they didn't finish us? It's uh, like, and they say, we put up too good of a fight and they thought we were playing possum as we laid here dead. So he's like, okay, that's a cool story. So they go running through the jungle to go after them. And there's two guys and they open up a pit at the last minute. Um, so the two fall into the pit. And then the main bad guy, Zemo, reveals dun, himself. Dun, dun. And Cap's, or no, Black Panther's like, ah, here it comes. Brace yourself for the big shock. And Cap's not braced because he's shocked big. To be continued. Now, you remember who the bad guy is. Do you remember how it works out? I do not. Okay. I just remember that he was in Cap 100. Okay. I don't know what they do. I know Black Panther's there. I know Agent Carter's there. But I don't know how it resolves. Because Zemo's dead. And this is way too early in history right. for his son to be a thing. So mm. who is this guy? Is he really, you know, how, how is he related to yeah, Zemo? I was wondering that. And I think yeah. at the time, way back in the day when I owned Cap 100, I had not read all these tales of suspense. So it didn't bother me that he was alive. But now, now that, that we've read him in order, it's like, what's going on? I don't understand. That was past tense. Do you no longer own Captain America 100? No, I don't own any comic. Oh. I got rid of them a long time ago. I had his whole run, too. How sad is that? But Wow. Runs, okay. I should say, because there are multiple titles. But We won't talk about you in the runs. No, no runs for me. Uh, yeah, this was uh, this was a serious cap. Yeah, um, Black cool. Panther, though, is like the worst party host. <laughs> it's the second. He did that with Fantastic Four, too. Let me invite you over and then attack you. And he didn't do it with the Inhumans, but they did attack him first. Uh, yeah, so, like, and he, he didn't could, invite He them. might have attacked them, yeah. That's the trick. He has to invite you to his party, tells you to bring the wine. And then he beats you over the head with it. Right. <laughs> Grabs the wine out of your hand, smacks you in the back of the head. <laughs> I had to I had to see if it was you, John, as you're unconscious on the floor. Um, so there are some people in this world who mm -hmm. have to worry about, you know, their anxiety 
getting triggered. Stuff makes you anxious and you can't really control it. And mm. it just happens. Captain America, it's his angst. Mm. Uh, page six, Black Panther, I will take the lead for I know every foot of this terrain, even as you know your own home. And Cap's like, <gasps> my own home? How many years has it been since I had a home? How many years will it be before I can call any place? Home? What is he talking about? That was such a know. weird thought. Like, we all know where his home is, and he's living there right now. I guess he's, you know, it's Avengers Mansion, so it's not really his oh. place. Okay, there's that, but he grew up in New York. New York, he's still living in New York. Yeah. How much now, your home is your home really depends on how much time and effort you put into it, right? Is he talking about like his depression era hotel that he shared with five families that cost a quarter a month? Is that the home he's looking for? Or Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, what's wrong with well, now, he immediately links it to having a girl, so maybe he's trying to like yeah. start a home and have like yeah. a wife. Yeah, the headcanon there could be that he's talking about establishing a uh, a life, but he's going out and making it. a home. He's wording it weird because the other option is like he's a man out of time, so he doesn't feel like this is home anymore. But he doesn't say that either. It's just a weird. I remember reading that, going, "What the hell are you talking about?" I was pleasantly surprised to see Irma Kroll slash Agent Thirteen show up. I wasn't expecting her story to dovetail so nicely mm. with Cap's story. Not just show up, but she beats up like three dudes. Yes, when she when she's not around, Steve. She's great. Yeah. And then well, Steve even shows when, up and even, she becomes... Even when, no, because they, when they worked out together that one time, she saved his life at least three times, I think. I felt Probably. like. I don't know. That's true. But yeah, I mean, he's the hero of the book, so he's got to do all the awesome stuff. But I thought and it was cool conversations to always go at all. Yeah. It was cool to see her do her agent thing. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Um, I like <laughs> I like her look. I know that she's pretending to be uh. somebody else, but I like the hat and I like the glasses. I like the, I don't know, sort of a, sort of a severe look, but I dig it. She's a really wicked French person. Mm-hmm. Well, uh. she's, she, isn't she wearing this outfit on the cover of Cap 100? Yeah. And people, people look at Cap 100 like, who's the blonde woman in green? It's like, oh, that's Sharon Carter. You just can't tell because there's nothing about her that says, hello, I'm Sharon Carter. This is my. This was my first introduction to her as this outfit and her playing this role. So I was like, "Who's this lady?" She um, is Irma Krul. I wonder if there actually is ever any appearances of the actual Irma Krul after this. Like, she does she get out of the closet and go back to living a life? That's or a good just, question. Is she I'm just going a throwaway? Probably just a guess. Just a throwaway. Hey, you she know, could show now up that you've like, asked. She could throw up, show up in like Black Widow miniseries or something like. That. It was last issue, right? TOS ninety seven. Hmm. Uh, Irma Cruel, that was her one and only appearance. Oh, what a what a waste of potential. You would think that only having one appearance, she wouldn't merit a mention in the Chronology Project, but no, she no. is listed and only has the one. Well, I think if they have a first and a last name, you got to index them, right? I guess. Or a superhero name, because also the Mauler was in Last Issue and is in nothing else. Oh, God. The Mauler? I don't even remember that guy. He mauled people. That's all I know. Okay. Not just a clever name. Should we move on to the Whipper? Uh, the one other thing I had oh, was uh-huh. Black Panther says he won't say who the enemy is because Cap wouldn't believe. So he somehow knows from what he says in this issue. He knows about Zemo's death back in the Avengers 15. And he knows that Cap was involved in that. So if those are Avengers missions, how does Black Panther have access to the info? Well, I don't know. He's got really cool technology. Maybe they even share it with him. 
I don't know. As I was saying, I was thinking, you know, when you run, when you ask a if something, something, then how does something, you got to make sure your if is good. Maybe it's not secret information. Maybe the Avengers files in that mission are not secret and he just has read. So I don't know. He also knows that he killed Bucky. Mm-hmm. That which, seems more likely to be known. Yeah. Well, maybe it made the papers like this evil overlord in a third world country got killed by an avalanche. Captain America on the scene. I don't know. Um, it seems yeah, like for it seems like the FF and Avengers trade information. So maybe Black maybe Black Panther's in on that cloud. I don't know. All right, the warrior and the whip. Where there's a whip, there's a okay. Still weak because of his overtaxed transistors, Iron Man has been captured by the mysterious Big M, the unknown head of the Magia, Magia, whatever. And Magia. now, with his strength at its lowest ebb, he faces the mind-staggering menace of the man called Whiplash. You know how we hate to brag, but how can we help it when Smile and Stan Lee and Genial Gene Colan have co-produced an epic extravaganza like this? Ably accompanied by Frank Giacoya Inker and Artie Semek Letterer. So, yeah, Iron Man has lost his flame. I mean, has lost his transistor powers. And he gets into a fight with Whiplash, who has established that he can whip metal. Whip it good. And so he's doing that one piece at a time. Iron Man has this cool gadget that he carries around now, I guess, that makes, like, illusions of himself. So that's... He turns that on and suddenly Whiplash is surrounded by like five other Iron Men, which confuses him. So that's good because Iron Man needs a break. We cut to Jasper Sitwell, who is still looking for Tony all this time. So something weird going on there. And he can't find him. So he goes back out and the police are like, yeah, his cousin took him and we let him. And he's like, what? So he calls Nick Fury and Dum Dum. And he says, does Tony Stark have a cousin and Nick's like, hold on a sec, let me check. And he presses it into the computer and a little index card comes out and it says, oh, yeah, he's got a really bad cousin um, who'd sell his own grandma for bottle tops. He's like, okay, thanks, signing off. And then all these women show up and they all are just like, they call themselves Tony Stark's girlfriend. I guess they're all fine with him having all of them as his girlfriend. And they're like, where's Tony? And he's like, I'm afraid I can't tell you that information. But there's this one like mysterious lady in a yellow fedora is like, how very interesting that he's missing. And everybody's like, we don't know you. You're not part of our girlfriend gang. So there you go on that. Put a pin in it. Anyway, back to Phantom Iron Man's surrounding whiplash. At first, he's freaked out by it, but then he tries to whip one of them and makes it disappear. So then he whips another one, makes it disappear. And another another one, another one gets down to the actual Iron Man. He's like, ha ha. And then Miss, what's his name? Big M or whatever, Big Charlie. Mm-hmm. is watching on the TV the whole time, and he's like, okay, finish him off already. So Whiplash is going to finish him off next at the mercy of the Magia. Do you remember that Daredevil story with the organizer and how like we didn't know who the organizer was, but he was giving orders to the, the, the furry squad and turned mm-hmm. out that the organizer was actually somebody at the party? So how mm-hmm. is he giving orders while he was also at the party? Yeah, kind of. I remember and the just, furry squad. And just looking at appearances, you know, just doing basic research for the issue to prepare, I do often sometimes get spoiled about what's, you know, a mystery in that particular issue. So I know who's in the chair. Okay. And that person is, unless I'm mistaken, also in other scenes of the story. So I don't know at this point how that's going to work out, but it could be a similar 
dropping the ball of the plot because you've got your mystery person in one place and you've got their actual person in the other place. So they're finally going to reveal that Jasper Sitwell is evil? Right. Right. Oh. Because we know that from the MCU, Jasper Sitwell is Hydra. Because the timing in this issue is really bonkers. Well, it says that he combs the entire factory. So I guess he has spent a really long time walking around. But, but the cops but, are but, still but out there. His cousin took him on a boat. <laughs> and he's been beating up bad guys for like days, it seems like. So that is just weird. It is a little weird. You're right. But that's okay. Um, the opening scene with all of the fight with the whiplash, Iron Man is basically just rolling around the whole time, trying not to get hit. Mm-hmm. I think the scene would have been more interesting in film form. It was. I, f- I guess. Yeah, you're right. It was. But I feel like it went on a little bit too long here. Yeah. It's five not, whole pages you know, of that. He has a whip. He's not super exciting. In fact, this mm-hmm. isn't even his best costume, you know. Uh, and the hologram thing was like, where'd that come from? But I right. guess that's just an Iron Man trope is every once in a while he'll have a new gadget we didn't know he was working on. He just pulls uh, it out. Yeah, but it's okay. It's kind of weird. I'm getting a little tired of the transistor power problem because, like, that was a trope with Invisible Woman and Human Torch, too. Like, he, oh, I, don't, I can't flame on anymore just at the most inconvenient time. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I lost my invisibility power. I'm too tired. But, like, they don't do that anymore. And Iron Man still does all the time. And he, loses, he loses his power all the time. Can we come up with something else, please? And it seems like to take nothing but the convenience of the plot to make it start working again. Yeah. What did he even do that made him lose power? He was in a box or in the back of a car? He oh, he fought Grey Gargoyle. That's what it was. Yeah. He, he drained his suit, taking down Grey Gargoyle, was put in the back of a car, got a little bit of a charge off of Morgan Stark's car lighter, but yeah. not enough. And then he took out some guys, so that probably drained him again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like now, otherwise Whiplash would be nothing. You know, this would be over. He does look better than my memory has him. Um, Who, I, Whiplash? I, yeah. Yeah. But he's not the greatest. It's, what is going on with his like pants capes? His legs he, have capes. His outfit, like later he, I don't know what his outfit turns into, but I I swear he has green hair at some point. The, yeah. That top hair thing becomes green and long. And his whole outfit turns black, except for his boots and cape, which are purple or something. So he looks a little more sinister later. Not much. A little. Fury's look. He doesn't have his gray temples, but he does have the longer face that Starenko has given him. So we are starting to see other artists showing the newer version of Nick Fury. Uh-huh. How come every time we see Nick Fury in another comic book, Dum Dum's right there, but in his own book, it's <laughs> like we got rid of him. Although he was in the latest issue. but Yeah, all these stories take place after Dum Dum's... Leave of absence. Yeah. But I still feel like no one is on board with, with Starenko's revamping of the series because they always keep drawing him like normal. Remember when Morrison was doing action comics and they like didn't know what to do in the Superman comic because Morris they didn't know what Morrison was going to do in action comics? I feel like that's where we are here. Like no yeah. one quite know knows where is gonna go with his series, so we're just gonna like okay, assuming Starenko brings us back to our normal cast of characters, here they are. Because eventually, like for the next twenty something years, Nick Fury is going to always have that blue bodysuit on. Mm-hmm. And here he's so got far, the blue turtleneck. <laughs> now he's got the blue, a blue version of Chris Evans' turtleneck in uh, *Knives Out* or whatever that everybody's going crazy about. The uh, the girlfriend reminded me of um, remember that one girlfriend who started out as a not Black Widow character, mm-hmm. and she went on for several issues. I forget exactly what happened with her story, but I, the the woman in the yellow struck me like that. She reminds me of Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego, except she's red yellow. 
Where on earth is Carmen Sandy Yellow? <laughs> hey, is it crazy that like I mean it's kind of no, I don't know whatever whatever that makes him happy, but like they're all just fine with being his girlfriends. <laughs> like there was no fighting amongst them. Remember that month where he just like dated a different woman every day yeah. to forget Pepper? Yeah, but this he lied them. to each one. But like now that or maybe I guess he didn't lie. But like now they all show up at the same time just to make it easier. What he can date them all at the same time? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, it's kind of fun. There's this fantasy series called The Wheel of Time, and the guy who wrote it tells a story. Because in 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 the story, the three three of the main female characters all fall in love with the same male character. Of course. And that male character falls in love with all of them. Mm-hmm. And so while everyone else who knows about this looks on disapprovingly because whatever, basically the four of them all agree that they can all be with this guy. The guy can be with all of them and they'll figure it out later once the world, you know, paralyzing trauma is over. Mm. Um, and the guy who wrote the story is like, well, cause you see when I was in college, I dated two women at the same time who knew about each other, approved of each other and like worked together to schedule time with me. And we made it work. So I figure if I can go out with two women, the savior of the world can date three women. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Could be cool. Also could be exhausting. Who knows? Well, you know what they say. More than one spouse gives you spice. Um, Oh, sure. So Iron Man basically ends up in this story in the exact same position he was when it began. Yes. It's one of those issues where it's just like nothing really happened. The most interesting parts were the Jasper Sitwell parts. Yeah, the stuff on the side. Mm -hmm. The fight was pretty boring other than the new hologram thing. Which, by the but, way, why would a whip make a hologram disappear? I don't know. Well, I guess if it goes through the light, then you can see that it's not there anymore. Maybe it disrupts the transmission. I'm not sure. I mean, the thing is, like, he can whip metal and it breaks the metal. But, like, I don't want to be all nerdy, but Iron Man is not bulletproof because of metal. He's got, like, uh, you know, a force field and crap. That's why he can withstand lots and lots and lots of powerful things. So it seems like this whip shouldn't work anyway. But then you can argue that he has no power right now. So that's why it's right. working. Yeah. And the metal will deflect bullets because it's it's iron or gold. True, but alloy. like he's not he's not just limited to what he can take from metal. It's like his whole thing is uh is the transistor power, blah blah blah, whatever structural integrity field, repulsor rays, and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay, we good? Yeah, let's do it. All right, traveling back in time to World War Two. And moving forward one week in the release date calendar, we have the start of a new series, Captain Savage and his Leatherneck Raiders. Now, what's funny about this title is the reason that Sergeant Fury says on the cover, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos, Mm -hmm. is because there was a joke going on between Stanley and his boss that Stanley could or couldn't sell a comic with the most outrageous title ever. So he's like, I'm going to make a title that's longer than any other comic title out there and people will buy it. And so he did. So Captain Savage and his Leatherneck Raiders is kind of in the same vein. You dare not miss this power patch premiere issue. The last Banzai. Kind of in the same vein. Kind of in the same. It's like literally the same thing. (laughs) It's the same creative team too. (laughs) Yeah. November uh, 22nd, 1943, exactly 20 years to the date before the assassination of John F. Kennedy in Dallas, Texas, and exactly 20 years and one day before the premiere of Doctor Who on the TV screens of the United Kingdom. 
But for our concerns, it is two days after the initial assault on the Japanese stronghold of Tarawa, six Marines storm ashore at a lightly guarded spot on the north end. On their shoulders rests the difference between victory and defeat. Thus is born the legend of Captain Savage and his other decorators. That's a song. The cast is Captain Simon Savage, Sergeant Yakety Yates, Corporal Jacques Larocque, Private J. Littlebear, Private Lee Baker, and Seaman Blarney Stone. Stanley proudly presents the start of a stunning new series of shell-shocked war sagas by Gary Friedrich, Dick Ayers, and Sid Shores. Oh, we almost forgot. Artie Simic lettered this fabulous first dish just before Irving Thorbush spilled coffee on the splash panel. Okay, so we open in the exact same location as Sergeant Fury's last issue. This is the Battle of Tarawa, which is a Pacific island held by Japanese military. And um, we, uh, the Allied forces are invading. And one of those invading teams is a team of Marines led by Captain Savage. Now, this is the skipper from the Sergeant Fury book. So you had Sergeant Fury, and now you have the skipper to the millionaire and his wife. Um, there is no millionaire, and there is no wife. No. Anyways, these Marines are fighting Japanese soldiers. There's like this really long, protracted fight at the beginning. Um, later on, they, they make camp, and we get to know the characters just a little bit. They sort of talk about who they are and what their personality quirks are going to be. Now, what we find out is that the number two in this team, Sergeant Yakety Yates, he is a, like, 20-year Marine, and he does not really like the person who's been put in command over him because uh, Simon Savage was Navy, and now mm-hmm. he's been moved into the Marines, sort of transferred over, and Yates doesn't like it. He's like, you're, you don't, you're not a Marine. You don't know what Marines like, so I don't like you. So throughout this issue, they argue a lot. Um, let's see what all happens. They try to attack a Japanese military base, and they do pretty successfully attack it. Um, the the officer in charge tries to you know fight back. It's just not very successful. They end up blowing the whole place up and getting out just in time to to, to miss the blast. Um, a lot of the forest or jungle, rather, surrounding the base comes down in the explosion, and so there's a little bit of concern at the end that they're all that they all made it out alive. But sure enough, they all climb out from underneath the fallen trees. Um, they hop on a raft to try to swim to, um, you know, a friendly, you know, vessel. And who do they run into? It's Sergeant Fury on the same boat he took to get away from the island of Tarawa. So the Fury and his Howling Commandos and Savage and his Leatherneck Raiders all get on the same boat and sail off back to wherever it is they're going to go rest up. Next issue, Baron Strucker. Yeah. Um, why do we need this title? <laughs> <laughs> why do we need any of the titles? Well, that's true, but this just seems like this complete like it's just more Nick Fury and Italian Commandos, isn't it? Kind of. Uh, it's, it feels like it is more of the same. The characters are a little bit different. Yes, but um, in, in like an opposite world way. Like, oh, oh, Nick is the army, so let's have them be the Marines, and oh. Nick is from New York, so everybody in this series is from L.A., and, uh, you know, that's as far as they got, I guess. And instead of a black guy, we have a Native American guy. Right. Um, who I am not 
a member of the First Nations. I, I do what? not have the sensitivities. I don't know exactly what's considered wrong and not. I feel like this book crosses some minor lines. I mm. think they're just minor, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you know, in their characterizations of Jay Little Bear, uh, on the plus side, he is used in this story a heck of a lot more than Gabe Jones has ever been used in a Sergeant Fury issue. Doesn't he call himself a redskin at some point, though? I thought that mm-hmm. was weird. That was a little weird, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe he's just doing it because everybody else does it. I don't know. And it's the '60s, so you know how sensibilities yeah. change, like the yeah. way the way racial interactions happen. So I I just don't know. Um, and, and much like Gabe, they're not. I don't think they're really getting his skin color colored <laughs> very correctly either. Right. He's very red. Uh, which you know, if they're not, yeah, literally redskins. When we call them redskins, no, no, they're like a <laughs> yeah. The, the, the ethnicity tends to have like a reddish tint to a browner skin. But yeah, it's still. But yes, you're right. Human skin he, is brown. He does do a lot of butt kicking though, and yes. he has a bow and arrow, which is way more interesting than a trumpet. Uh, right. Although maybe that's a stereotype. Oh, of course the. That guy has a bow and arrow, but he uses it to quite a good effect. So yeah, that's the thing. Why would you bring a bow and arrow to a war? You know, World War yeah. II battle. Yeah. Everyone's bringing guns and machine guns, and you have a bow and arrow. I just feel like that's well. Tell that to Green Arrow and Hawkeye, I guess. I guess you know you're not wrong, but still. but but in this <laughs> case, it's very stereotype. So Yates talks about being a marine. 27 times in this issue yes. uh, at the end of page four yes. he had, had a set he had said it four times yes so that was one thing i noticed that they really wanted to hammer in everybody's personality although i don't know if that was successful because outside of yates definitely being into marines and thinking his captain is not a marine and therefore not cool and outside of little bear not wanting to be at this war and mm-hmm. wanting to be home so he can make millions of dollars wrestling or whatever he did I don't yeah, know. He was what, a wrestler before this, yeah. I don't know what the other character traits are. One guy liked women or something. Is that was that Jacques a is French and he has lots of pictures of women on his camp. Yes. I initially thought that was the Australian guy. I was and I was like, oh, did they introduce him in Sergeant Fury so that he could be on this team? That's kind of cool connectivity. But then it wasn't. Oh yeah, the Yates and the Australian guy do have a very similar face, don't they? Yeah, but no, he's French, so he's the Dino of the of the team, I guess. Hmm. Um. I don't Lee know what, is in oh, school. No, Yakety. Oh, I'm sorry. So Jacques is the French Rock. guy. Yes. So what is – and Yates is the Marine. Mm-hmm. And Little Bear is the former wrestler who hates being in war. Lee Baker, what? What do he's we know about teacher, Lee He's a teacher, I think. He's reading a sociology <sighs> yes. book. I think he's going to school while he's there. Yes. He mentioned being a teacher 500 times. And then Blarney Stone. Oh, my God. Blarney Stone. I just noticed that right now. What's he all about? He's going to die? Just, yeah, he might be the the reb of this group. He's just the young guy. He's going to be the uh, the first one offed on this group. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to have very much the way of distinguishing characteristics. No. Except that he's a go-getter. No. So I don't know anything about the military, but it seems like if you're a submarine captain, to be suddenly put in charge of a group of Marines. It's not, not only a different a unit, it's a different service. Right. It seemed like a really weird assignment. For him. Yeah. I wrote down that I like the tensions it's creating, but does that sort of thing actually happen? Wouldn't you rather – if I was a submarine captain, I'd be really annoyed that they took away my submarine. hmm And I thought he was going to continue to be a submarine captain in this series, but 
No, he's just taking a ride on the same submarine as Nick Fury. It's not his submarine. And I wasn't sure last, uh, I say last issue, in the Sergeant Fury issue, I wasn't sure what leatherneck actually meant. I'm not familiar with that term as slang for Marines. Mm -hmm. But they mentioned in the Sergeant Fury 50 several times, we've got these leathernecks, you know, working with us. And I was like, oh, they're setting up the leatherneck raiders over there. Yeah, okay. And evidently that, that just, that just means Marines. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but it does. And they are really not shy about the deaths of war in this issue. Hmm. There's one narration where silent steel-tipped missile rips into his body. I think, as we talked about previously, when they're fighting Asians, they're less nice. Oh, you think that that could be it? That it's part of the the bad guys in this issue are, are also Asians. Mm. I hope that's not it. I hope it's. I just, think it is it. I don't know. It's, it just seems like <laughs> they're much more. And same with the Howlers. They're like just more evil about it. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I don't really have a whole lot else to say. We are going to get Baron Strucker next issue, which is our first time to see him since we saw him in the present day. I know. I thought he we was, were never going to see him in the World War Wars again. But I guess I knew, we are. I knew we were going to see him again. I just didn't know the contexts. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he was dismissed from. Uh, from Hitler's service. So what is he doing? We don't know. This was a very, it was a pretty straightforward plot, but the whole point was just to introduce us all to the character traits. And, mm -hmm. and this reminded me of like an old school Howler's story, kind of where they have a straightforward mission. They go to the mission. They just get away. Go to the, the mission in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. All right. So we'll see what happens on to the fantastic form. If it's not great, it's only 18 issues. So, Oh, we're going to cover them. Don't yeah. worry. We'll not see great. How they go. Not great has never stopped us. So, oh, X Men, we're looking at you. <laughs> Versus Frankenstein. Okay, and so it ends. That's what it's called. What are we doing? FF number uh, seventy-one, I should say. That's right. Really interesting, weird. I don't know if it's great cover, but anyway, sizzling big <laughs> action issue. Is it one of those that's like made up of frames from the inside? Yeah, like they just couldn't. They didn't have time to put a actual cover together. Well, or, or it was rejected. While you're synopsizing, I'm going to go search Fantastic Four 71 alternate cover. Okay. Hearing the sound of a bludgeoning battle, Sue Richards breaks into her husband's lab only to find... Well, and then she talks, but she says, Reed, Johnny, Ben must have killed them. Because remember last issue, up until the very last minute, Ben was a bad guy because of uh, the mad thinker. Um, no, they're only wounded, all of them. But who? What is it? What's coming towards me? It's an android. He crashed in through the wall. One of the greatest action thrillers ever produced by Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby. Embellishment, Joe Sinnott. Lettering, Sam Rosen. So yeah, she who did not go on the mission because she's pregnant walks in on the scene of Ben unconscious, Johnny unconscious, Reed unconscious, a giant mad thinker robot coming towards her. So she envelops the robot in an uh, invisible force field and then crushes it. The end. Oh, wait. No, that's not what happens. <laughs> that's what sh that's what should have happened. I forgot. Okay, so instead she turns invisible and it doesn't find her, and then it's gonna like kill Reed, who's still unconscious. So she grabs this big giant gun. Luckily, they're in Reed's you know giant gun factory, and she saves his life by shooting him. But then of course that means he's like, well, there's he being the robot turns on his radar face because he's like, what's shooting me? And now she's in danger. But that's when Ben wakes up. And he's like, what's going on? Hey, giant robot trying to kill my would-be girlfriend. So he punches it or he pulls it off its feet, but it shoots him in the head and knocks him out. It shoots him with his back laser or something. There's machine guns in my butt. Um, <laughs> uh, what's that uh, from? That's from Astro Boy. 
that was my son's favorite line back in the day. I need to uh, watch that again. So, but that doesn't stop him. Or no, he's about to get pounded to death, but Sue uh, erects a force field and that gives him enough time to wake up. He punches, it's clobber in time. He punches him through the building and he falls to seemingly his death. Sue's unconscious, so he picks her up and he starts to try and shake her. But of course, this is when Reed wakes up and he's like, oh, so you're still a bad guy, huh? Trying to kill my wife. Well, I'm just going to, no one touches my wife. And he just starts beating on the thing and things like, what are you talking about? We're like friends. And then... Johnny wakes up and shoots fire on him, and he's like, dude, seriously, I am on this team. What are you guys doing? And they're finally like, oh, maybe he's okay. Maybe that thing I did last issue worked after all. So then they go check on Sue, and she's hysterical because she's a female and pregnant. Um, The robot does not die. It crashes on the ground. Everybody's looking at it. It gets back up. It flies up, um, and it attacks again. And it takes Johnny out by turning super ice cold and encasing him in ice cubes. Um, Reed is like, you need to get out of here, Sue. You're pregnant, and therefore you are completely precious. Uh, and he runs away with and tells her to stay put. And then he goes back in, and Johnny's unconscious, and he basically takes out the robot. Oh, he takes out the robot by opening up a portal to the negative zone and sucking it in. So mm-hmm. goodbye, robot. Meanwhile, Crystal shows up, and she finds uh, – Sue crying and she's like, yeah, but it's for your own good. You're pregnant. And then Reed comes back and he whisks Sue away and doesn't tell Thing or Crystal or Johnny that he took care of the robot. So they wake up and go charging looking for the robot and they don't find it. But they do find Reed Richards giving Sue a glass of water on a couch and he's really pissed and he's all dirty and beat up. And he's like, you know what? She's pregnant. I don't care about this stuff anymore. She and I are off the team. Continued. We hope. The end. Wow, this is yeah. breaking up the team. Not like really. A, I thought he might be, but I don't think he is. Spoilers. You're probably right. Probably right. Um, so I looked at the cover. Uh-huh. A, this is not made up of internal art. They are scenes from the inside, but they're not panels from the inside. Yeah. This is an actual original cover um, by Kirby. But what another thing I thought was interesting is that you basically have two splash pages opening this issue. Uh-huh. And I kind of wonder if it was one of those where, like, they drew two and didn't know which to use, so they used both. Mm. Or maybe they drew that first one and couldn't fit the title on it, so they drew another one. You know, if you slapped a big panel right in the middle of that cover of the Fantastic Four standing there waving at us, this could totally be like a DC Silver Age cover. <laughs> like like um like one of those annuals that has yeah. like the single big panel in the middle and all the little panels around like it. Like they'd yeah. have like a little panel of all the different stories that are inside this issue. Yeah. See Supergirl cute. fight a troll or whatever. I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, Reed was very irresponsible, but that's kind of just Reed, I guess. He was pretty responsible. I was kind of glad to finally see Ben come back to him. I guess it was one of those like reboot smacks to the head or whatever, but he's finally over it and they didn't have to, you know. Well, Reed much did do. something to him last issue, but then they weren't sure yeah. if it worked because they got attacked. And they're all almost dead. Yeah. Thing coming back was the best part, waking up just in time to like take that thing on that was awesome it was pretty cool although um sue you know being able to help out at the beginning was nice because it seems that so was nice rare because we haven't seen her do any action in in months and i i actually did some reading um on some articles in this about like what medical recommendations are for physical activity when you're pregnant mm-hmm. and like full body wrestlers are told don't if you're pregnant, stop. You've got too much shock going to your torso. But like boxers are told to keep going. 
Like if because that's all mainly like shoulders and heads and face and stuff. Yeah. There's also the element of death though. There is the element of death. So she's not just like not exercising. She could this robot could kill her. Now that's always the case, and you'd think he'd be upset about that too, but Yeah, it's almost like, well, okay, whether she's pregnant or not being concerned about death is a thing. Does being pregnant therefore invalidate her ability to contribute to the risk of death? I don't know. I'm not a I woman either. for one thing. I don't know either. I don't know how I'd feel about it either. I just feel like, like it's weird that Reed is giving her orders about all of it. Well, let's think of it the, as close as we can get. What if you're a female in the army and you get pregnant? Do they continue to let you serve or do you immediately stop until it's over? Right, because there is the risk of death in the army. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't honestly. know either. We're, we're talking way outside of our experience, but it is. Mm. I think it's a comparable situation, yeah. Yeah. But I think she's right to moan on page 14. I'm not saying she should fight with the baby. I'm just saying that, like, Reed giving her orders is frustrating. It is, but he is the leader of the team. So there's that, too. But he's also giving her orders as her husband, not as the leader of the team. Right. And see, I feel like it's more of her husband giving her orders than the leader right. of the team giving her orders. And and totally. That's his motivation. You notice the leader ha- of the team have the right to say, well, team member, you're pregnant now. So guess what? You're off the right. team. Right. It's all very – like it's hard to ha- have a leader of the Fantastic Four when it's all family. Mm-hmm. Like there's no – it's all bias. Everything is biased. All your decisions. But at the same time, at the same time, this is one of those times where I don't think that Reed is acting differently than probably a majority of male characters would act in a similar situation, especially during this time era. I don't think he's being overly – Bearing beyond what no. most men would be in this situation, it's True. just you know, it's just a sticky wicket. Yeah, I'm sure Johnny and Thing have also already expressed their interest in her not doing anything. Right, they're just <laughs> the unconscious most of this issue. But at the same time, though, they'll pick up Susan and shake her <laughs> to wake I her did. up. That was funny. Yeah, <laughs> shaking shake baby syndrome. Baby. Don't yes. shake the baby, especially if you're Thing. Jeez. Yeah, you have muscles the size of mountains. Yeah. They're literally made of mountains. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay, so Thing gets knocked out. Is it Thing? No, it's, it's the android. The android gets knocked out, falls to the ground, and like is laying there in crumpled slabs. Uh-huh. They don't show the body of the person he landed on. I'm sure <laughs> as he fell to the ground very suddenly, there's somebody under there. Oh, yeah. They just don't show us. They should have drawn a little hand or something. Yeah. Poor Charlie. Um... I was going to argue that Johnny should just be able to melt off that ice. But he says but, he can't for some shenanigans reason, right? Well, also, if he's cut off from the air, if he's cut off from oxygen, then maybe he can't maintain his fire enough to actually get through the ice before he runs out of oxygen. Because he did does he, need oxygen to burn. Did he say something or is that a different issue where he's like, I can't get hot enough because I'll kill the lab or something like that? If I, go I don't think it. that was this one. I can't make my flame hot enough to withstand it, not without scorching Reed, Ben, and Sue. Page 12, last panel. Okay. So so there's a little out there. Like, if he was out in the desert fighting this thing, he could go full flamey flame, like he does when he fights Submariner underwater with his flame on. So he can't <laughs> stop the android without endangering everyone in the room, but then the yeah. android splasters, splasters him with ice, and he can't get out of that either because yeah. my head can, and he's cut off from oxygen, so it can't break out. So yeah, it's effective, I think. But he flamed underwater. 
in the past. Does that have oxygen? <laughs> I don't know. Being dropped in the ocean is supposed to douse him. That's like supposed to you be would think. set in stone. <laughs> you would think. I think it's funny that we have this door to the negative zone that's just sitting up there on the fifth floor. Reed has vowed never to open it again. But there's this door, portal, to another dimension, just sitting up there. Don't open it. What if they take the door apart? You know what's weirder is he knows people live in this world because he's met them. Mm-hmm. So now he's just dumping his garbage into their reality? I guess. Like, here's a really horrible android that kills people. I'm just going to throw it in here because I don't know what else to do with it. And then it... I mean... I don't know. In theory, it's space. But we thought that the oceans were cool to dump stuff in because they were just out there not messing with anybody. And then we eventually learned, hey, mm-hmm. that we've actually been really messing things up. Maybe space mm-hmm. is the same. Space only seems like... We can throw stuff out there and it's not going to bother anyone, but actually. Well, theoretically, they get sucked to that void thing that disintegrates them unless they get interrupted. Oh, yeah, the but exploding zone. But I don't know. I liked this robot. I mean, I don't know. He's kind of generic, but he it was a good fight because like, he could do things. But uh, It was a cathartic action issue. Like, like yeah. I feel like everybody contributed. We all got you know through some emotions. And I've honestly been waiting for um, the whole – Sue's pregnant, quit the team thing. I forgot that Reed quit with her, um, but I've been waiting for this. Well, I know it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, the part I'm thinking of, for another, like, 20 issues or something like that. But at some point, that lady in the background who's never fighting, even though she's probably the most powerful person in the room, mm-hmm. like, uh, she's going to join the team. And I, you you could think it's a setup for that right now, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is yet either. I think we got a ways. Maybe after they have the baby or something. Um, I do have something else that's not story related. Okay. Do you have anything else on the story? No, sir. So I meant to mention this last issue because it was in the letters column of issue 70. But this baby actually changes Marvel continuity. Um, this is the, it brings about the first indication from Marvel editorial that Marvel is dilating the timeline of their universe. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to bring up the letter from last issue. Uh, and just read this here. Dear Stan and Jack, well, 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 so Susie's going to have a baby. This is all well and good. However, seeing as how each issue occurs in time placement directly after the preceding issue, do you realize how long it will be before the little bundle of joy is born? Assuming that it will also take nine months until the pattern of little feet, and also assuming that each issue is one day in the life of the FF on the average, and also assuming that each month has 30 days. Now, that's a lot of assumptions. Letter yes, writer, it is. Yes, yes, it is. Um, Reed should be pacing the floor until approximately issue 340, <laughs> 32 years and six months from now. I personally will be 38, not to mention Stan and Jack. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad there's a family in the offing for Stretcho and Sue, but good gravy. Well, even if you don't come up with the answer, at least I can tell my children when it all began. And that's Val Perkins of Nashville, Tennessee. All right, Val. We can't stand this battle between real time and Marvel time. Another second. Real time, that is. So we're going to sock it to you straight. Although a complete story might take place within a day, that doesn't necessarily mean the next story takes place the very next day. The following yarn could begin the next week, the next month, or even the next year. Then on the other hand, the next 20 issues might all occur within a period of 20 days. Anyway, what we intend to do about Sue's baby is to have it come along at at the exact moment when it'll surprise you and shake you up the most. 
We'll leave it to you to figure out just how the time element gels. Now, if you know what we've just said, let us know, because we're so confused we're not even certain when quitting time is. And the more mixed up than that, you just can't get. Now, part of that is kind of common sense, like, you know, the stories. But also, it does bring in this idea that Marvel time flows differently than regular time. And as the Marvel Universe goes forward, that idea that the time is actually dilated between the real world and the fictitious world is going to get more and more and more used. Um, I mean, the timelines are never going to be great because nobody ages except kids. So you're right. already, you're screwed, but, but like there's nothing just, days, I, I never thought every issue was a new day because like, gosh, they never have any downtime. That's right. But in, 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 at least ostensibly, you could say that time is flowing at relatively normal pace mm-hmm. uh, or maybe slightly faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're definitely getting indications that that's not the case. Peter was in his senior year for three years for one thing. It's like that episode of shore leave where they start out with like, we've been, we've been going constantly for two months. It's like, are they talking about the episodes we just watched? Or is this just two mm-hmm. months off screen that we didn't see? Cause it was boring. And mission you know? to Horatius, the book, that book starts out the same way. Yeah. They're like, we've been going so hard so long that people are actually about to start going clinically insane right. from being in space for too long. Right. They need to see the sky. Jim. There's got to be boring days, and we just don't want to read those, so they don't make them. Although, personally, I would love more comics that are about boring days. That would be so cool. But the ar- that's just the me. article that I, the article that I saw that brought attention to this issue says that stretching time was not noticeable until 1973, and did not completely replace real time until after the death of Jean Grey in 1980. Ah. Stretching finally broke and was replaced by a sliding time scale in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Because at some point they need to get older. Yeah. It says, the in-comic explanation is probably just Franklin Richards. Who's the baby right here? So, you know, it all comes back to... Right. <gasps> Maybe that's it. Maybe the conception of Franklin Richards broke time. Marvel time. Yeah. Yep. That could very well be. I'm I here could... for that headcanon. Totally. Okay. Um, Daredevil? Daredevil. Speaking of time not working, because when does this take place? Um, Daredevil 36, the name of the game is Mayhem. I don't remember there being weird time problems with this, but let's well, see what I, Oh, what did we yeah. just read versus what starts this issue? <laughs> right. So, um, I actually, okay. So we ended the last issue with Daredevil going to the office of the Fantastic Four. Susan Storm was attacked by the trapster and is unconscious on the floor covered in glue. Yeah. I was reading this wondering, will it work if she could actually still be quit at this point. She's wearing her Fantastic Four clothes because when did she wear anything else? But maybe she's not actually a part of the team. But I'm not sure if that works or not. I forget. So are we saying last issue's Daredevil takes place after the Fantastic Four we just covered? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's where I see in most in, in the uh, the lists that I saw online, it puts this Daredevil story after the Fantastic Four we've just been reading, which uh, makes yeah. sense because this Fantastic Four arc has been going for like six months now. Right. That's a good point. And Daredevil's arc started last issue after after yeah. a cold open. The name so of the game works, is, but I guess my point is like, as we're reading these in release order, that means Marvel's releasing them in, releasing them in these orders. And how come Marvel never went like, how could Sue be here and there at the same time? Right. It kind of it does remove the um, drama of Fantastic Four seventy one if she's in her duds in Daredevil thirty six. Right now, pay attention, gang, because this is really complicated. Last issue, we saw the evil Trapster renders Sue Richards helpless in the headquarters of the Fantastic Four, planting a bomb inside a drawer, which will be detonated as soon as anyone enters the room. And now, here comes an unsuspecting Daredevil. Okay? 
Okay, let's go. Produced by Stan the Man Lee and Gene the Dean Colon. Inked by Frank Chicoya. Letter by Artie Simic. The rest is up to you, Tiger. Okay, so we hear the tick, tick, tick from the drawer. Daredevil's opening the window, seeing that Susan's on the f- ground. As he opens the window, he hears the clock. He's like, wait a second. I don't see a clock anywhere. What's inside that drawer? And he uses his Billy Club grappling hook to um, open the drawer. And there's a bomb inside. He whips it out of the drawer, out into space. You know, the not actual space, but like the sky. And it explodes harmlessly above the um, populace. So he goes inside and helps Susan uh, get out of the glue. How'd you get in here? What about the bomb? Um, meanwhile, Reed and Johnny are walking around in the bottom. They're like, wait a second. That bomb was really close to our headquarters. Is this a Fantastic Four comic? Because I think there's shenanigans. So they run off to their headquarters. They get up there. They see Daredevil and Susan Storm. And he's like, what's going on in here? Sue, are you all right? Why is Daredevil here? And like, yeah, yeah, totally chill. He helped out. We're all good. And uh, Daredevil's like, wait a second. I hear something. And Reed's like, I guess you have really sharp ears because we don't hear anything. And what he hears is the trapster flying around outside on this really weird green curvy thing called an, um, no, I don't even know what it's called. I thought it was going to be called an anti-grav something, but that's, that's the discs that he used. Trapster's really surprised to see Daredevil alive because he thought with his anti-grav discs that he had sent Daredevil off to his death. So... Um, Johnny Storm is like, I'll go get the trapster. I remember him from Strange Tales and those Frightful Four comics. And Daredevil's like, no, wait, I'm the star of this comic. I want to fight him. And so Johnny goes after Trapster. Daredevil sends his Billy Club after Trapster. Reed says, Johnny, it's his comic. Come on home. And uh, he's like, nuts. It's getting so that you have to stand in line to fight a baddie in this town. So um, Gene Colan draws some cool action in the sky between Daredevil and the Trapster on this green curvy disc thing. Um, they go all sorts of topsy-turvy and upside down and really should just like fall off of this like seven times from Sunday. But instead we get some really cool art of them fighting in the sky. Meanwhile, Franklin Foggy Nelson and his uh, would-be girlfriend, um, Karen Page, have gone to visit whom? Whom are they visiting? The mayor? Um, Somebody, I think it's just some backing company. or I don't know. Okay, well, they are once again recommending that Franklin Nelson run for district attorney. Remember how he did that once before for the um, the political party that was called, like, Crime Zonimus or something? <laughs> Anyways, um, so he's like, yeah, I'll be district attorney. I'm going to run. It's going to be great. Oh, wait, I guess I should talk to my law partner, Matt Murdock. Where is he anyway? We're totally forgetting that we yelled at him last issue and scared him off. But, you know, then Foggy gets a phone call, and it is Debbie... Harris. Debbie Harris, the daughter of the organizer from that story involving the political party that Franklin Foggy Nelson ran for district attorney with way back in the day, like issues 10 and 11. Mm -hmm. So, so we like brought back the plot point and we brought back the character and he's like, Oh wow. Debbie's so pretty, but I'm sorry, Debbie. I can't talk to you right now. He hangs up on her because he's like, if I'm running for district attorney, what can I do with dating an ex-convict? That wouldn't look good for my campaign. What am I going to do? And Karen's like, what are you going to do? And Foggy says, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Meanwhile, Daredevil and Trapster crash on the ground. Um, they are still fighting. They run all over the streets. They go into a bank. 
um, or jewelry store or something. They kind of look like the same thing. They crash through some windows. Um, Trapster is just trying to get away. He is done with Daredevil and he's just like wants to get away. Daredevil won't let him though. So they fight. Um, and they both land on the ground and knock themselves out. They tumble downstairs. When they hit the ground, they both nut their heads. Um, a long time later, Daredevil wakes up and there's this uh, loud vibrating sound. He's on a subway train track, but the vibrating is just like distance. It's not like a train coming to run over him. It's just like the environment. Anyways, he wakes up. He's like, oh, my back hurts so bad. Wait, I hear footsteps. Armored boots? Who has armored boots? That could be Iron Man. Or it could be. And he looks up. It's Dr. Frickin' Doom. Anyway. What? It all comes out in the wash next dish. So be here. It's one of the greatest DDs yet. Well, I didn't see that coming. No. I'll admit that. Because it's like, what? <laughs> what? I understand what's going on. This to me was kind of like the Iron Man issue and that it was a lot of fighting where most of the more interesting stuff happens in the subplots. But um, since there were more subplots and more pages for things to grow, I liked this one more. Um, I really like the idea of Foggy Nelson's old girlfriend coming back. And I like the idea of him finding a role in life that's not just Matt Murdock's wishy-washy partner. Fantastic Four was pointless, which made me sad. Like... That did nothing, and they didn't participate. Yeah, I guess it was just a point of drama to end last-ish and to bring in this-ish. Like, you're yeah, right, it doesn't really contribute. There's, like, a promise there where you, if you bring someone in last-ish, even if it's drama, it's like, you want there to be more. And instead, it was just like, rescued her, moving on. They do mention his involvement with Doctor Doom, which, in retrospect, I wonder if it was to remind us for the next story. Oh, I didn't even put that together. That is exactly what that's for. Why are they wearing... Trench coats. That was weird to me. I don't know. Because they're wearing their costumes out in public. What are they doing, though? Why are they doing that? I don't know. (laughs) Where's Ben? That's another good question. Ben, I'm going to hope, is with Alicia. Because there has not been nearly enough Ben-Alicia time. And why would... Ah, I really hate when they do that. Like, there's a villain. He's causing problems. He's dangerous. He could hurt the city. We'll all hold back and let you deal with the Daredevil because he's your guy. Mm-hmm. It's like, or we could all help and take him out in three seconds and neutralize this dangerous situation. Right. I mean, so, Human Torch is made of fire. Yeah. So. Yeah. Reed could just reach out of that window and, like, grab him, probably. Anyway. It's like, I owe the trapster for something. You've got to leave him to me. Yes. Okay, fella, you've earned the so right. We'll just forget about the fact that we owe him for a lot, too. Remember that time you left us to die in the ocean? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just macho baloney nonsense. But anyway. I kind of, I'm glad they did the recap because I was kind of like confused by that story anyway. It's a foggy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ended, She was a villain and they never actually did date or did they date? I can't remember. But uh, Well, he the, the way the story played it, he went to a party to ce- to celebrate like the Gangsta McEvil political party. Uh-huh. And um, he met his old high school flame or high school oh. crush. They actually did have some dates and have some romance. So now if I were Foggy, the last time someone asked me to run for DA, all that happened, and she turns out to be evil. Mm-hmm. And now someone's asking me again to be DA, and she calls me. Same within 10 minutes. Right. 
I, I don't know how coincidental that is, but it feels like it shouldn't be. It feels like it should be. Uh, a thing. Yeah. My spider, my foggy sense would be tingling. That's for sure. And one thing I was surprised by is the scene with Foggy and Karen before and after the conversation. There's mm-hmm. not a hint of romance angst. There's no, no Foggy no angst, thinking but, about uh, Karen. I don't really pick up my female friends like that on page 11, but but maybe that's, that's just me. That, that was a bit more intimate than you would think. But Karen's kind of like devoid of anything right now lately. You notice that? Like she has no personality or anything going on. Really. She's the other half of the conversation for most of this. Yeah. Not just this, but like I can't remember the last time. I mean, outside of waffling between Mike and Matt, which just makes you roll mm-hmm. your eyes. Like, what is she doing? Anything? I guess she's always just been waffling between some guy or another. Yeah, that's I was going to say, I don't, I don't think she's thing. done much besides that. She tends to have more to say about it and more emotional variety than, say, the Jane Foster type character. Um, but there's not a lot to her. She's kind of just standing around smiling this issue, which was sort of weird. Mm-hmm. To do, but oh well. She's the office. She's office decor. Right. Don't say <laughs> this. Gotta admire the scenery. No, 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 no. Um, there's an editor's note on page 16 because Daredevil's like, "Where are the Fantastic Four? And he's like, "If you want to know where the Fantastic Four are, go over to issue 71 and find out." But that's the one we just covered, and that just doesn't work. Because that's like the end of a really long story. Mm-hmm. They didn't just go off and do that. Right. So I think that we're going to have to consider that an error in the editor's note. That is them not caring. Mm-hmm. That is the second time. That whole Cap nonsense with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Cap and Avengers didn't work either. It's like, what's going on over there in this office? Yeah, that kind of works. It's just like the the discussion about why he's quitting and everything makes all that feel weird. Mm-hmm. But... um. But this one, I don't think even I don't think even the mechanics work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, Doctor Doom. Yeah, that made I me blink. Th- I'm very curious about next issue. I think I know next issue. I think it's one of those that I've read for some reason or another because somebody's in it. Maybe I don't know. Um, I feel like maybe I've read it, but I don't think I don't remember reading the Daredevils that we've been reading. Ah. Uh. But I feel like I have read the next Daredevil, so I don't know. My memory's messed up. Maybe Doctor Doom kills Mike Murdoch. Oh my gosh, I hope so. <laughs> have we just is he even mentioned in this? I, they better not just drop just drop it and make us think like like hope we forget cuz that's baloney. If what if what Foggy happens. and Karen elope and leave the book and we never talk about Mike Murdoch or see Foggy and Karen again? Oh, we have not said the word Mike Murdoch in a few issues, I feel like. I think he got mentioned last issue. That's yeah, yeah, cuz that's why they stormed out of his office cuz they um Trapster was looking for a daredevil mm. and um, they're like, you should call your brother. He's right. Like, I'm not going to call my brother. When Trapster, Trapster went over there to ask how murder works. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I uh, kill somebody, I mean. You, you don't find the body. It's not really killing, right? Can you tell me how to get away with that? That's still murder. No, but, but you don't find the body. No, that's still murder. No, but you don't find the body. Don't you have to habeas a corpius or something? And that if you don't have the corpse, then what's, you know. Okay. All right. Oh, Trapster. Is that it? That's it. Isn't this that enough? This was a fun episode. People, isn't that enough? I mean, not all the stories were amazing, but I didn't have a bomb in this episode. No, like they that. were. I they, like were they were pretty good. We're, it, there's a real feeling of like things are changing mm-hmm. right now. And I don't know if that's just because these titles are going to turn into different titles or what, but. It's all coming. Well, next episode, 
Tales to Astonish 100, which is probably our first celebratory 100 issue. It is. Journey into Mystery 100 didn't do anything special. Strange Tales 100 is before we started reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tales to Astonish 100 has the Submariner and Hulk in one big extra long story. It's two yeah. extra pages, 22 pages. And we covered so, all 100 of those. Something like that, maybe. No, no. Uh, the Avengers 48, the Black Knight lives again. That's pretty great. The X-Men 40, they're fighting Frankenstein's monster. Amazing Spider-Man 57 with Kazar. Um, so that's pretty great. And then we will start dipping our toes into December of 1967 with Sergeant Fury 51. Um, I don't know. It's just called Assassin, and they're shooting gangsters with wow. machine guns. So it's like a piece of the action, Sergeant Fury style. We've covered right, so 66 the- of those issues. That's not nothing to sneeze at. Sergeant Fury? No, Strange Tales. Strange Tales. Yes, or, we have covered uh, Tales, whatever one's turning to 100. Tales to Astonish. Tales to Astonish, I mean. We have covered a lot of Tales to Astonish, but not from number one. No, what like was the it? 30s. Was Ant- Ant-Man 35 yeah, is the first one. Yeah, something like that, I think. Yeah. And plus issue 27, so that's an extra one there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. All right. Where can they find us between now you and You can then? find all those 66 issues and more at MakeOursMarvel.com. There you're going to find the links to our social media on Facebook and Twitter. You will, of course, find links to the RSS feed and feeds of various popularity. And, of course, the most important, you can write us a letter. There's a contact form right on the site, or you can write directly podcast at MakeOursMarvel.com. Also on MakeOursMarvel.com is the PayPal link if you want to donate to the show. We appreciate that very much. If you want to interact with Mike or me personally, you can do so through Twitter. Um, I am at John Reads Comics. Michael is at Kaiser the Great. When I say personally, I don't mean like yeah, asking us for dates. Don't get too personal. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 I don't understand social rules a lot of the time, but I know that they're there and I try to observe them. So yeah, just behave. Okay. I'm saying this. I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's not been a so, problem. <laughs> so far, we're okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, until the next Marvel War comic ends with everybody dying at the end, make ours Marvel. Marvel.